Previously on Letters 2. Have you ever come across someone who was ashamed of their Hispanic heritage and their culture? Or someone who, who has tried to Americanize themselves so much because they wanted to, to fit in? I think that person would probably be me. I'm Mark. I'm Nick. I'm Sadie. And this is Letters to Podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in to a brand new episode. We are back doing more of the our Hispanic series, talking to the Hispanic people that we know to get their take on America and how they're treated here in America. And you know, last week we got good insight from Kennedy and his experience, but we thought we should talk to to more people. So I thought I thought why not reach into the letters to media bag and pluck one of our co-hosts from the Haddonfield Horrors podcast, Miss Maria Perez. Welcome back to our show, Maria. Hello, Welcome. thank you for having me. <laughs> Maria's a little sick, so forgive forgive her voice. We, we're still glad that she came. This is still bad. Do I still sound bad? Is that why? No, no. You sound bad. <laughs> just in case you like cough, we'll see that you cough. See, I'm just giving a little pre a little warning. <laughs> but catch us up. What have you been up to since the last time you were on our show? Which was wow, I think Early at the beginning of earlier this year. Yeah. What have you been up to, Maria? I mean, besides co-hosting the Haddonfield Horrors with you, I haven't really done... I mean, I've been working, you know, here and there. Been working, been partying. I've been working. I've not been partying. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with a little partying, but let's jump right into it. Nick, do do you have a question prepared or do you want me to go first? You can start us off, Marcus. Woman, oh, I wasn't prepared. That's why I was. <laughs> okay, well, I'll just ask. You know, <laughs> let's just get right into it. Could you tell us a little bit about your family background and you know your experiences of growing up um, in America? Yeah. Um. I well, I'm Mexican. Um. I grew up here. Uh, like in, in America, I am first generation though. So my parents are from, you know, from Mexico. Basically I grew up, like my first language was Spanish. Um, mm. I grew up speaking Spanish. I had no idea there was any other language besides Spanish until I got into school. <laughs> okay. So how old were you when you started um, learning English? Cause that had to be, had to been an interesting experience for you. I was like I was I was like five, I okay. think. Um I was I think I was in the ESL class, which is the, you know the English as a second language. Is that what they call it? Is that what that stands for? Um I, I think so. I think I don't remember, but Yeah, English never as a second language. I never knew that's what that stood for. But also, I didn't know that English was your second language because when you did start speaking when you were like five, because you don't have an accent or like like anything. If anything, it's it's definitely subtle. Like you would think that English was like what you grew up speaking primarily or was your first language. 
Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, you'll hear it every now and then. Like there, there, there are some words that I can't say um, in English, but I'll be able to say them in Spanish. Um, but I'm because I grew up basically, you know, I'm pretty sure every Mexican can like relate to this. But I grew up with my cousins, and we all kind of grew up together. And I did have older cousins who were about like a year or two older than me that already spoke English. That kind mm-hmm. of helped with that. Um, transition from speaking spanish into english okay so you had a little help there from family members yeah yeah definitely my cousins helped a lot actually with that i think that's so cool i i've heard of um people and it's not just you know hispanic or you know spanish-speaking people but kids who grow up in different with parents who are immigrants from different countries who speak different languages may not even speak english themselves um, but they want their children to speak multiple languages. Like they don't want them to speak the language that they spoke in the country that they originated from, but also speak English. And I've heard of people breaking up uh, how they how they approach that. Like they'll speak English. One of the parents will speak English to the child only. And then the other parent will speak whatever, it, if it's Spanish or French or Portuguese, you know, they'll, they'll do that too. So I was wondering if, if you had um, a similar experience. Those are good brain exercises too. Yeah, it, it, it's. I think it's good too for when 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 to do that when kids are young because it's they're absorbing everything, so it's a little bit easier to learn another language when you're younger as opposed to when you're like you know a teenager or a young adult trying to learn another language or our age. Oh, it is hell, tremor because I'm still trying to learn Spanish and I should definitely know Spanish by this we're, point. We're young adults. Stop. We're not. We're, we're young adults. We're not Maria is a young adult. We're me and you are old. <laughs> I am not old. We're gay. That. We're we're over in, in in gay years. We're uh, we're old people. We're elderly. Okay. You already know this. Okay, let's we're just ancient. Let, let's let's, <laughs> let, let's let, uh, Maria discuss her experiences because I don't feel like <laughs> old man. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, neither one of my parents speak English, okay. so I kind of like I learned Spanish because you know that's basically all anybody knew how to speak in my household. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I learned English was because of school and I learned how to speak it easier was because of my cousins, you know. You had that support from your cousins to help. Yeah. Yeah. And I really think that that's so important that it's incorporated into our education system because when I was around, I think when I was around your age, I was learning how to speak Spanish at school. At the school I was going to, they started, I think in kindergarten, we would have a Spanish teacher come in once a week to work with the students but that annoyed me because it was only once a week that's not really helping anybody just just getting 30 minutes or 40 minutes of an of um education uh, in another language for that short period of time once a week how are you really learning anything at that point and that's the ideal time to start learning a language but you it was there's a there's a great school in the north halsted formerly known as boys town area called interim america Mm-hmm. Where all the lessons are taught in both English and Spanish, like it's like part of the curriculum. Like you, it's you 50, 50. Oh, it's, or... it's fifty in in every every subject: math, English, math, oh. reading, comprehension, history. Everything is sp- is taught in both English and Spanish. Gotcha. But Maria, with you yeah. being first generation, and your parents not even know how to speak English. Was it hard, like, trying to balance all the, like, 
the American stuff you were growing up around with also having to balance that with like your, your parents' traditional and like cultural tra- traditions and like Hispanic traditions. Was it hard trying to find a good balance between those two? Yeah, I mean, growing up, we definitely grew up really sheltered. Mm. Like, they wouldn't really um, let us out much, I guess. You know, like, it was more like they they just wanted, you know, us and the cousins just all together. You know, they wouldn't really let us go out, I guess, is the best way I can explain it. Like, as a family, we never really went anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we would go to, like, the park and, like, the beach, but we never, like, ventured out from that. Um, so I grew up definitely with, you know, a lot of Mexican traditions. I don't, you know, just never really, like growing up, all I had was, you know, tacos and all like Mexican dishes, um, and Mexican music. And then when I got in school, it was, it was, yeah, it was really hard because, so for a really long time, I didn't know that my name was Maria. (laughs) Oh, I. Yeah, I didn't know that was my first name. I uh, at home because I mean, because oh, my full name is um, Maria Adeline Perez Gomez. I got you know with like the, with my mom's last name, mm-hmm. and for at home they would call me Adi because my middle name or Gorda because you know for a pet name. For a long time, I thought my name was was Gorda. I didn't know it was just like a pet name. So when I was in school, and they would ask me my name, I would say, oh. My name is Gorda. And they would be like, and I would get scolded by the teacher. She's like, no, that's not your name. But I genuinely didn't know my name wasn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't know oh. what my name was. It wasn't until you were like in a formal setting where you had to use your actual first name that you really focused on using it because you were just so used to being among family and friends and yeah. in that environment. That's That's interesting. Yeah, and then, um, and then I would tell people that my name was Adi, but then I would be told no, because you know I think here in America we don't really use middle names, right? Um, but I and and I would again get get scolded for that because they would be like, "That's not your name. Your name is just Maria Perez, and that's it," you know. And I remember, um, this was I think when I had learned my mom's last name was Gomez. And I learned, like, my proper full name was Maria Adeline Perez Gomez. And that's what I would write my name down as. And I had another teacher scold me. She was basically trying to say that I was, like, trying to trick her into, like, into, like, or trick her that that my last name was Gomez and not Perez. But I'm I'm like, that's literally what my mom taught me at home. I don't know. Why would they think you're trying to trick them? (laughs) I was, and I was in third grade. I don't know. I was like, I don't (laughs) Teachers are so interesting because clearly you were just, again, reiterating what was being taught to you at home and sharing that with your, you know, schoolmates and your, your classmates or whatever. And your teachers versus third, first artist, oh, she's just trying to trick us. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Like I just generally just wasn't, I guess, just, I guess I just wasn't aware that mm-hmm. something as simple as my name would be so different, you know? Yeah. I have a question um, and I'm just curious in Mexican culture, is it, do you ever get, if you ever get in trouble with your parents, do they ever call you by your full name to just 
to emphasize it like you're in trouble or is that just something americans do well yeah so uh my parents have actually never called me maria like they've always called me like adeline mm-hmm. but usually it is like it is addy but yeah they'll but when they're mad at me yeah like they'll call me like adeline and that's when i know that it's serious okay <laughs> Your parents gave you the name, but they never call you. I by... know. <laughs> you our first called you Adeline. Our first name's not like necessarily that important then across the board in Mexican culture. When it comes, like, are you usually just named after someone? Like your first name. What is? Is there like a sim? Um, is it symbolic of anything to just to have a first name? But they'll call you by your middle name or a or a, a pet name as a term of endearment. Yeah, so so basically, uh, my first name is obviously Maria, um, mm-hmm. but in Spanish, so my mom basically named me after the Virgin Mary, uh, but the thing is, like, oh my, I basically had, I basically grew up in a household where there were three other, um, Marias in my house. Mm-hmm. So you know, even if they called me Maria, um, they wouldn't know who you know who who they're talking to so so they would call me like Addie, you know and it basically just kind of stuck like okay that makes sense yeah, yeah. so i'm a, it might honestly it might be the same for others um like i have um a cousin whose name who, his name is uh ugh, crap it's either jose antonio or antonio jose either way there's a bunch of antonios in my in my household and there's a bunch of jose's in my household so we call them Pepito. <laughs> Which makes sense just to be able to know who you're talking to or yeah. who you're talking about. It's a I get that. To it. I get, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because my family has a dumb tradition where they used to name everyone after each other. Like, I'm talking full first, middle, and last name. I have several people in my family who have the exact same name. So we tend to only go by family nicknames. There are people, there are like cousins and great uncles who... I don't know their actual name. I only know their family name because yeah. we we have to like stick by that because it's like five people who are like Nicholas Hayes. Like, why are there like five of us five people with the same name? I have no idea. So I get that. That that makes sense. A, yeah, it has a practical purpose behind it. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, you just have to tell the kids that they, that's not their actual name, so they don't go into the, the wild saying, "Yeah, my name is too sweet." Like, no, that's not. That's not. It's not your actual <laughs> name, sir. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's yeah. a lot because of it. Okay, well, I have a question. Um, what was what were your um, experiences uh, experiences with media like growing up? Were you mostly consuming um, media um, that was, you know, that had a Latin, you know, background to it, or were you consuming- were you watching Telemundo, or were you watching like the other the other channels? He didn't. They didn't want to say it, but I, don't, I didn't want to see. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what she, what was being watched. I was just, yeah, okay. So I, I was trying to probably be politically correct. Maybe I don't know, but yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, did you? What were your media experiences like growing up? Yeah, I mean, I watched uh, Telemundo growing up. I mean, my parents did. I didn't. Uh, you know, I watched... We were mostly on the Spanish 
shadows. <coughs> Sorry. And there are it's, multiple Spanish speaking channels, right? It's not just Yeah. Okay. Um I mean there's like that one channel that had like a bunch of like you know, novellas on it. Um I like, know Nickelodeon. I Nickelodeon has a Spanish channel. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Is that now though? Did they have that when we? Were no, they they always had it. It's the exact same programming at the exact same time. It's just the Spanish version. Like, Not that I'm older than you guys or anything. <laughs> 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 well, I have a question, Maria. I'm gonna get deep. <clears throat> now, have you? No- did you notice any? Has there been any like noticeable differences in the way people talk to you or treat you or approach you since well like the before, the during and after Trump was president? Like was there like a shift in how people interacted with you? Um, or did you not notice? I mean I well cause I mean most of the people because I basically grew up in, like, a very, like, Hispanic neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing I did notice was that people were more afraid, you know? A lot of people that I knew that couldn't speak English very well were afraid of going outside and were afraid of, you know, just interacting with everyday people, afraid that one of them was going to be a Trump supporter and, you know, get all wild. <laughs> yeah. That's you know? Funny. Like, I mean, I was also afraid of that, of talking to someone and then you know being accused of being illegal or all these other things just because you know i talk a little funny or you know because i look hispanic or you know for various reasons that's a def that's definitely a real fear because um the way that the rhetoric that the trump that trump spewed during the um campaign and then into the election was just atrocious and it, it was I don't know. I I feel like that was the first time in a long time that people from different, you know, minority backgrounds felt like, I don't want to say, I think there's always, just being a minority in this country, you're always kind of a little fearful when you're in certain, you know, places and and whatnot. But I don't know, during during the Obama administration, at some point, it did feel like we were moving forward and, you know, kind of getting to a better place in terms of like race relations and whatnot. But as soon as Trump came on the scene and I'm talking like back in 2012, when he started that whole birthler conspiracy theory about president Obama, it seemed like we started at that point is when we really started seeing just how bad race relations have always been. And that, you know, a lot of it was covert but the things he said about, you know, Mexican and Mexican-Americans during his campaign, you know, that was absolutely deplorable. I think that's I think, you know, Hillary Clinton had gotten in trouble for saying that about his uh, supporters being deplorable. But he caused a lot of people, you know, Mexican, Mexican-American people and Hispanic people across the board to just to feel very fearful um the way that they talked about you know immigration and just a person who has a latin background is automatically assumed to be an undocumented you know person even though they 
lived here their entire life. You know, it's it's things like that that I, I guess you, you you just wonder will things will we ever get to a point where we're not necessarily judging people on their physical appearance or even on their cultural background? Is that ever gonna are we ever gonna get to a place like that? And can we think about what that does to people like mentally and emotionally? Because I'm pretty sure yeah. I'm pretty sure you and your family were probably probably have moments of being like on edge. Like how was your family's response when all that was like going on? I mean, yeah, we were definitely like on edge. Like nobody, like, you know, we were all, we were constantly telling each other to be safe and, Mm -hmm. you know, watch your surroundings. And, you know, if somebody looks like, you know, like not a good person, I guess, just stray away or if, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe avoid certain areas, like, I remember when when um, when ICE was like a, a huge thing. Like we we would mm-hmm. you know and being again being a community full of Hispanics, we were like constantly sending each other updates like, hey, we just saw ICE in this area. We just saw them in this area. Everybody be careful. Bring you no know, bring your IDs and you know because we were just afraid that like you know because I guess after the whole Trump thing, we kind of just figured the government didn't care about us so. You know, so even if even if I was legal, like what's going to stop them from, you know, taking taking you away? And um, and then plus, like everything that happened with with those those kids, like those kids that disappeared during his. Mm-hmm. His time because uh, the families who were being split up. <laughs> yeah. But so, like then that had to have like, a lot of pressure, especially with you being the oldest of your siblings and your your parents can't speak English. That had to be like an added like, add, had to add so much stress on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it was it was just kind of like, I mean, I was afraid for my family. You know, like I was afraid that one day you were gonna hear that somebody just kind of like that. You know, that they were picked up by, by ICE and never really saw them again, or fearful that you know my that my maybe like my parents as they're doing something simple as out shopping got into some type of altercation because right you know because they can't speak english or because they look hispanic you know same thing with my siblings you know would you say because you because you mentioned earlier in the interview that you know your family when you were growing up you mostly kept to yourself and your family and you know your close-knit community do you is that one of the reasons why um your family kind of would you say sheltered you or kept you or encouraged you to really just mostly associate with, you know, your family members and your, you know, close friends because of just this fear of, you know, having altercations with, you know, people outside of your community, especially during the Trump years? Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I I definitely think so. I think they, you know, especially because my family themselves were new, like my, especially my parents were new to the country, or at least Mm -hmm. I know my mom was. But I think, like, because she wasn't sure how, how like, the country was and how the people here were, she, she was just afraid of, you know, if something did arise, she technically wouldn't have been able to, you know, protect me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if there was some type of argument, like, she can't really do anything. And I'm sure that's, you know, a fear that any parent would have. Of course. Um, which is why, you know, yeah, they kept us very sheltered growing up. I could totally understand that. And I think, um, I, you know, not to just make this about me, but I want to say that growing up, I feel like a lot of 
my, like myself and a lot of my friends who come, you know, black, black, my black friends and people who have my shared background, it's a similar situation where we, we tend to try to keep to ourselves and keep to our own communities because of the fact that anytime something, any type of altercation that can break out, you know, we don't always have the resources to um, get out of that situation the same way, you know, a white person would per se. So a lot of the times minority people do keep to their own communities for that reason. And it's not because there's a hatred towards, you know, other groups of people. It's literally just self-preservation and security. Yeah. And I definitely, yeah. And I, I t- totally agree with that. Cause you know, especially being so new to like a country that you just don't like, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure they've heard about violence here. You know, mm-hmm. one thing you want to do is protect your child. Absolutely. Okay, so I have I have another question I want to throw in there. It's it's another another deep one. Now, with being in America and dealing with all the Trump craziness and just all the bigotry and stupidity that you have to deal with with being Hispanic American, have you yourself or well, maybe anyway you wrote that have. You have, have you come across someone or even you yourself felt the need to like shun away from your culture and your heritage and try to completely Americanize yourself that way you can, in order to feel more accepted? Mm. Um, honestly, no, like I'm pretty um, proud of my heritage. I really like. I really like the fact that I grew up, you know, learning Spanish and learning about, you know, traditions and, you know, like, I understand, like, the value of it. I know I've been to Mexico a couple of times and, I mean, I am, I'm, I'm, I am very proud of it. Um, and honestly, I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a community where, you know, like, basically all my friends that I grew up with feel the same way. Like, we've all, you know, we've always been, it's it's very nice to have people around you who understand how you grew up. Um, so I think I never really felt the need to have to feel accepted by others, especially because of my culture, because I was already surrounded by other people who understood my culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I never really felt that. Um, I think it wasn't until I got, cause I think even in like, in high school, which was like, you know, a couple, I, I, cause I mean, I, I, I went to the neighborhood, you know, elementary school and the neighborhood middle school, which is again, basically full of Hispanics. And when I went to high school, I went to, to Lane Tech, which is like a huge school full of thousands of kids. Mm-hmm. But even then I did associate, I mean, I, I did branch out, you know, I made friends, but I associated most of the time with like Hispanics. Cause, um, I mean, I just noticed that most of my friends that I had were Hispanic, so I didn't really feel the need to, you know, change anything about myself um, in order to have, you know, have others accept me. Um, I think it wasn't until I started working where I started to kind of realize that, um, where I started to realize the difference between, you know, my culture and other people, I guess, um, or like or like other people's cultures and the way they see things. 
like supporting local business? How about blank own local business? Or even better, a blank female own local business. Well, if you do, we have the perfect business for you. Blank Forward Clothing Inc. A new clothing brand owned and designed by Mercedes Scott. They have an array of affordable clothes such as t-shirts, jackets, hoodies, joggers, and even a face mask, so you can fight COVID in style. They say true to their slogan, it's more than a name, it's a power movement. By pushing their brand to bring awareness to mental health and anti-hate, so support the movement by supporting the brand. You can find a link for the store in the description below. Just getting to branch out and experience different people and different backgrounds um, from your own. Do you find that in your professional life and just being a young adult, do you ever find yourself wanting to hold on even tighter to your cultural background that you, you know, your cultural upbringing? Or do you find that you want to experience and learn from other cultures as well and incorporate that into your life as well? Yeah, I mean, I I think now I've kind of been, because, so, so be, you know, like, growing up, we were always told that family was very important, and, you know, family is always, um, you know, because the Mexican culture, it's a very, um, I don't know, I, I forgot what the proper word is for it, because I know how, like, Americans tend to be very, like, individualized, mm-hmm. whereas... I guess gr- me being like Mexican, you tend to grow up being like, like, yeah, you know, like everything is for the family. Yeah. And I think now it's kind of <coughs> basically starting to learn how to not, how to be my own individual, you know, and kind of having to break away from that mindset that anything I do has to, like, I have to have my, my family in my mind anything that I do like if I want to get a job I can't get one too far away or if you know if I want to grow up if I have a family I have to think about okay but where do my where do my parents come in where do my siblings come in and I think having to break away from that mindset is kind of what I'm trying so I guess I mean I I am trying to hold on through to like to the nostalgia of what my Mexican traditions brought when I was young, mm-hmm. but I think, but everything else, I'm also, I'm trying to break away from, I guess, you know, from the toxicity of it, I guess. Yeah. Just, I guess like the, the, like you say, the healthier, um, and parts of your culture that you, that really resonate with who you are as a person, because you're becoming your own person now as an, as an adult, you're, you're discovering, you know, who you are outside of your family, outside of your community. But there are certain aspects of your culture that you do value yourself and want to hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> totally. I think that and I, I think that that's so relatable, especially at this, you know, transitional point in our lives where we where we're really, you know, becoming our own selves. But I do wonder because it it does seem like that's a very western or a very especially american to be a more indi- on a to be more individualistic as opposed to being more communal and 
operating as a collective. And I, I wonder just how, just how healthy that is or unhealthy that could be because there are benefits, I think, to, to both. So I guess the, the homework is to just really assess the pros and cons of both and find what really aligns with your values, I guess, personally. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, like, that line definitely gets, I feel like I can get blurred really easily mm-hmm. between, you know, I want to be my own indu- my own person, my own individual, so fuck my family, fuck all you guys, between, you know, I can't do anything without my family in mind. So definitely right. having that balance, it, I mean, it's hard, yeah, it's definitely hard. Yeah. Um, because sometimes what's good for you isn't good for the family, like, or they don't see it that way. And, right. um, you know, it's definitely hard because you definitely have to, you know, fight for yourself a lot. And you definitely have to kind of reason. Um, I guess having to, like, knowing when to, like, to pick your battles, I guess. Yeah. Knowing, like, what's good for you. Maybe, maybe, maybe it could also be good for you know your family, but and especially you know growing up again like being first generation, my parents are you know very used to those um to that mindset that that you know sometimes they don't see the things the way I do, you know, like like their idea is we're all gonna be living together forever, we're all gonna grow up together, right, but like. My idea is more like, I mean, because I'm not planning on staying in Chicago my whole life, and right, I don't think my parents understand that. <laughs> it's a, it, I, I, and I wonder if that's more of a generational thing too. But I know it's a cultural thing because it's similar, and um, I don't know. I, I feel like in my family, and I know my family doesn't necessarily represent all Black families, but it's cool if you want to stay with your parents and grandparents forever, if that's, you know, what you choose to do. Like my mom was like, I'd be happy if you all just stay here. I don't care. You can move out whenever you want to, but if you stay here forever, I don't really care. But of course you do want to, at some point, at least I, I know I do. I did. And I did actually, but I wanted to um, move out and have my own place and start experiencing life. You wanted the individual. Outside you wanted to be the individual. I wanted to be an individual, and I wanted to experience life outside of my family. And it's not that I don't love my family or don't, you know, enjoy being with them. But you know, I want to understand who I am outside of my family, as opposed to knowing, understanding who I am or being who I am when I'm with my family. And I feel like you can. It's a, it, like you said, Maria. It's a balancing. It's a. It's a balancing act. You know, just having the ability to choose your battles and um, understand that sometimes doing the things that you want to do may not necessarily be beneficial for everyone, but they're necessary for you and your, what, what, what matters to you, at least in that moment. My next question is given the hostile nature of our country uh, as as you know, with Trump and the Trump supporters and the MAGAs and their 
their upfront and loud like hatred for the Hispanic culture, how they keep blaming the Hispanic people for everything wrong in this country, which is it's funny coming from that particular group of people. But does that bring you pause or make you like having second thoughts about possibly bringing bringing children into this world? Like, I mean, honestly, yeah. Like, I just don't. I just don't understand why racism is still such a big issue and it just doesn't seem to be an issue that's ever since you know Trump and everything that happened I feel like it's like like it's gonna be a very hard like It's like it's like like what like when Trump you know came into power and said all these things and everything was fine with it. It's like it made all these racists think that okay maybe being racist is okay and they were a lot more upfront about it, yeah, Mm -hmm. and a lot more like in your face about it. And because you know somebody in power basically embodied everything they thought. So yeah, so I mean yeah, I would be afraid to bring kids, you know into you know this country i guess you know it just doesn't seem like because i mean didn't trump like isn't he running again (laughs) he says he's going to in 2024 but allegedly but i don't know he old he should just hang it up and we know it's 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 funny to me because one of the reasons he was coming after Biden or saying Biden shouldn't run for president was because of Biden's age. And I'm like, you're now the age that Joe Biden was when he was running against you in the last election. So that just kind of negates what you were even saying then. And of course, with all of the uh, the criminal charges he may be facing with, because um, they haven't recommended it yet, with the January 6th erect, uh, insurrection, insurrection or whatever, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily the most viable um, candidate for 2024. Okay, but also, like, but without him, you have people like DeSantis and all the other politicians who are falling behind the Trump, like, hate train. So, yeah. The other people are falling behind and believing his rhetoric, which has to put people in... I mean, because those poor kids were in those containers or wherever the hell he had them, he was, he was holding them for over a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he, de- they deported people back to the wrong countries. And, and then pa- I, parents and kids still can't find each other. That's, and, and some of those that's kids are going to have some like long lasting, like traumatic, traumatic uh, PTSD. Uh, exactly. And it, to me, I, I really hate that. Um, I, first of all, the whole immigration con- conversation, it's, it's so, it's very nuanced. It's not something that, you know, you can just not, you can just brush over and just make little quick arguments for this and for that. It's, there's a lot of some nuance to it, but I really don't like, there, there are certain things about the conversation that I don't like. I don't like that it only centers people from Latin America or central, you know, Latin American countries as if they're the only ones who are coming to this country um, 
undocumented or you know Ill- i hate to say illegally because i don't want to i don't think you can criminalize abortion you really I'm, not, I'm sorry not abortion uh immigration i'm getting my i'm getting my topics all confused but um no i don't think you can criminalize or you should criminalize immigration for one thing especially when there are, are a multitude of reasons why people choose to leave the countries that they you know originate from um and also the people who are coming from Europe, Asia, and, um, you know, Canada, typically uh, with Asia being the exception, Asian um, countries being the exception, I feel like whenever whenever people are coming from Western countries or, you know, countries of European descent, they're not, they're, they're, they, whenever they come here illegally or overstay their visas, they're not criminalized in the same way that people of color or people from, you know, um, Latin American countries are, and that's to me that's extremely unfair, and it's 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 just a really really weird, um, I think a really weird perspective, and I feel like a lot of conservatives lean on that to win races. It's because because racism is so you know prominent in this country. That's one way that they can ensure that they win these elections by stoking people's fears that. Um, immigrants are coming to America and destroying this country when in fact, especially, you know, in, in, in our conversations that we've had with um, our, you know, our guests who have um, Hispanic backgrounds have said that, you know, most of the times when their families come here and they're not necessarily coming here illegally or anything like that, but they didn't generally stay within their own communities. No one's really committing crimes. People are really just focused on taking care of their families and raising their children, like most Americans do, like it's it. Everyone has like the sim- similar um, fears, similar hopes, similar dreams, and to just criminalize an entire group of people based on their ethnic background or their race is just completely asinine to me. And I really hate that they're able to get away with that in this country. Ministry podcast is now. Very own merch store. We have tees, hoodies, and cups, and so much more. Check out our merch store. Link will be in the description below. Thank you, guys. Do you like horror movies, like Halloween and The Blair Witch? Well, if you're like me and you do, you should join me and listen to the Haddonfield Horrors podcast, where they discuss and review horror movies and horror movie franchises. If you're not listening to the Haddonfield Horrors podcast, you're definitely missing out. I mean, I mean, it's been like a political move for such a long time, you know, mm-hmm. like I think in, I'm, I don't know if I'm right, if I'm like historically right, but I know that I think during World War Two they were trying to criminalize the Japanese. Yes. And I think for, yeah. and, and like, I mean, at that time they were um, criminalizing like all Asians, like they didn't care, but, you know, but exactly. the main focus was the Japanese. Right, which was unfair, you know. Right. And then during what happened with with nine eleven, and they were yeah criminalizing anybody who came from 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 the Middle East. Um, mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is that was so recent. You know, it was twenty you know years ago. You know, twenty plus years ago. I mean, but just in during the pandemic, they were attacking all the Asian people. Yeah. Thanks to our president. was referring to it as the China virus. 
Like, mm-hmm. what? But, but speaking of all that, like, how is mental illness handled in your culture? Because I know for the black community, we tend to, it's usually like culturally, we it's something that we don't talk about. It's taboo. A lot we, of people, a lot of black people it. are like either avoid it or it's like, oh, you don't need therapy for that. You don't, need, you don't need that. Oh my gosh. Yes. My grandma was telling me that yesterday. We were having a conversation about depression and whatnot. And I was like telling her, I go to a therapist and sometimes I struggle with depression. And she's just like, I don't know why you're paying her all that money. We could just talk to me for free. Yeah. Like, so how does how does your culture handle mental illness and therapy like what's that conversation about like ah what's that conversation like to be honest there like isn't a conversation (laughs) it's it's Um, more like i mean so i remember growing up it was just yeah it just wasn't talked about we just it was very hush hush wasn't talked about like you need therapy no you don't (laughs) um but I think, um, I, but I think like, I mean, if forever, if somebody in the family thought it was serious enough that it needed to be talked about, then religion was brought in, you know, they're like, well, you just need to pray more. You just need to go to church just because you don't go to church. That's why it's because mm-hmm. of, <laughs> because maybe you're not, <clears throat> maybe because your faith isn't strong enough and, you know, like. It's never really like ah, sorry, we just got scratched the shit out of me. Get away from me! But one of the reasons why, um, like, okay, so like, I recently tried to have a conversation with my mom about me having like anxiety and telling her, you know, like, a lot of things make me anxious, and she was just kind of like, oh, okay, and like that was it. <laughs> that was the conversation. <laughs> Oh no! I was like, "All right, not gonna talk to you." <laughs> and Damn. I think because I, I, you know, because I'm, I'm also in therapy, and I did, I think I did mention that to her as well, and she was just like, "Why?" And I'm like, "I, because I told you that I was anxious and I have a lot of anxiety, so I'm going to therapy." And she was just like, "Oh," and that was it. <laughs> and it sucks that you guys can't have that conversation because I wonder if some of the things that cause your anxiety. Um, maybe your mom has experienced those things in her life too, but she just like feels that, oh, well, I'll just have to, I just deal with it. And that's just how it is. Like they just accept, they tend to accept um, these difficulties as if they're just a part of life and not realizing that there may be other ways that they can approach um, and manage these um, difficult um, challenges um, instead of, you know, just not either not talking about it or, you know, pushing through it yeah i mean i definitely see like when i like if when i get really anxious about something i definitely see her repeating like those same fears back to me sometimes Mm -hmm. and so i'm like okay so obviously i feel like i get my anxiety mainly from her but like you know again being very very religious i think my family's we're just very very like extremely religious like and so I think to her, it's like, well, you know, I just haven't, like, she, I'm pretty sure her first thought is, I'm, I, like, I'm, I'm going to go pray about it, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go pray or maybe because I haven't been to church or, you know, like, they, they always, it's never, like, mental illness is just not 
non-existent, I guess. Um, People you know. in your, they tend to just turn to their faith that like that's what. Yeah. Or they cope, how they cope at least. Yeah. Or when in doubt, praise or, God. Do you think, do you, are you noticing a pattern in your generation of people? Um, well, I had a generation, your generation, your particular generation, are they as religious as uh, prior generations? Or do you think that they're becoming less um, supportive or of religion as a whole? Well, I think so. I mean, I don't personally believe in God. Um, I so I've definitely strayed away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, my siblings have as well. Like we're just. I mean, I think maybe one of them she might be like agnostic, but other okay. than that, we're we're just very like against it. You know, we grew up again very religious. Like we grew up going to to church school. We grew up. You know, I've done my confirmation and you know my my baptism and everything and i'm just like no this is just not for me i don't believe in it i have my own personal beliefs um but i do have cousins who are definitely very agnostic you know like they do believe in god but they don't go to church like i don't think any of us any of my cousins honestly have ever been to church i'm the same way you know i love god but going to the church with them people that's that's asking me to do a lot like i love you bro but like not that much (laughs) and i i question the whole purpose of it now too because i've always i've always gone to church growing up going to church went to a school that you know was religious and I thought it to me, it seemed like church was a place to fellowship with other people and share your um, belief in God. I don't, I didn't see it existing as for any other purpose, because I felt like the best way to really connect with the high, with a higher power or connect with God was done on a personal level. So it didn't involve or have to involve other people. And yeah. it, it just. But... <laughs> I just think that because my family was very religious, it was pushed on us that I never had that personal level of it, Mm -hmm. I guess. Because, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I feel the same way. Um, um, I mean, most of the time, you know, we we would go to church and, you know, everybody would be dressed up and looking very nice to church. Um, But then you always got people... Yeah, you know, looking at you if you're wearing something that's not nice enough or too okay. revealing, like yeah, yeah, the judgment in the house like, where you're not supposed to be judging people. That was always something my I would hear from some of my relatives. Um, like we were supposed to be going to church, and of course everyone's dressed in their Sunday best, but then there were always those people who either couldn't afford to dress a certain way for church, or they just didn't necessarily want know how to dress for church. And I had relatives who would just judge them. And I'm like, y'all, we're, we're like, literally- Like, they wearing gym? They wearing gym shoes and jeans to the service? And I was Clutch just like- the pearls. Is it more important that they're here or what they're wearing? Are you guys not getting, listening to the messages that we're supposed to be receiving from um, the minister and the Bible every single week? Because you're doing exactly what they're saying not to do. Like, it, it, to me, it just, it always seemed like a contradiction. Um so that's one of the reasons why I guess I kind of, uh, I don't want to say turned away from religion. 
but that's really what happened. I do, I personally do believe in a higher power. I, if you want to call it God, yes, but I don't necessarily agree with all of the, especially the way Christianity has handled it. You know, I don't necessarily agree with that completely, but I do see the benefit that religion has in some people's lives. And when they're using it in a way that helps them and helps others, I'm cool with that. But to use it as a tool to judge people and just to make yourself feel better, that's when I typically take issue with it. And I'm, I think a lot of people in our generation are kind of seeing it that way too. Like it just, we're seeing a lot of the contradictions and, you know, the lies that have been told over the years in the name of religion. And it's just not for us anymore. Well, I have one more question. It's kind of a, I don't know, Nick kind of asked it, but. You can reframe it. Well, you say, you ha- you don't have kids or nieces or nephews. You do have a lot of little cousins. Like, have you, have you noticed, like, some of those things started to change, like, shine away from mental health, the, the, em- the emphasis on family togetherness, this is our unit. Like, have you noticed any, like, changes with your cousins and how they've been bringing up their own kids? Um, honestly, no. Like, my cousins who have kids right now, um, I've kind of seen them raise them the same way that we were raised. Hmm. Which I feel like, I mean, it's not my business, it's their kids. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I do see them be more open-minded than our parents were. Um, like, I definitely see them take more precaution than our parents did. Um, they definitely go out a lot more than we did. Like, you know, like, they'll take their kids everywhere. They've, um, I think they've also, they've also tried to keep the culture alive. Like, you know, like, they'll take their kids to Mexico while they're, you know, or, or, or they'll do that where they, they speak, one parent speak English and the other parent will speak Spanish. You know, and they'll, you know, try to get, like, the kids to to speak Spanish and, and English. Or sometimes they'll only speak English to, to the kid. So that way, like, my cousin will, like, you know, will grow up speaking Spanish and then learning English later on. I think it's what they want. Um, so, I mean, I, I do see them being more open-minded, I think. You know, especially experiencing being here, like, in America. You, um you do value open-mindedness and I'm a lot more, a lot more than I guess we would have when we were younger. Yeah. <coughs> well, Nick, do you have another question to ask? Um, not really. I, I, I think we covered everything that I was curious about. Well, then we should... <laughs> We should, we should wrap that. Well, then we're going to wrap this up. No, Maria, Maria's sick. She probably wants to get back to rest. Thank you so much for popping in and sharing your story with us, Maria. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. <laughs> thank you so much. And if you guys want to hear more of Maria, just pop on over to the Haddonfield Horror Podcast. She has a lot of funny opinions about the movies that we watch. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Join us next week as we keep this train going.
Should we do an intro?